0: Hi, everyone. Thank you for welcoming us into your homes. This week, we're beginning a brand new series that we've entitled Made for Mondays. Uh, work is God's idea. And uh, how do you serve God at work? I-, I think there's a number of answers to that question. Uh, maybe, maybe if you come from an evangelical background, you might say, I am always looking for an opportunity to share my testimony and witness for Jesus at work. That's how I serve him at work. Or maybe you've come from a more mainline or a traditional church background. You might say, I'm always looking for ways to promote social justice at work, wage equity, fairness in the marketplace, and things like that. Well, maybe there's some other responses, and maybe you say, I want to show love, joy, and peace, uh, the fruit of the Spirit at work, so people will ask me about my faith. Others might say, well, I serve the Lord by because I, I, I just want to make money at work, so I can be generous to my church and to missions. Someone else might say, I want to work with excellence, because I, I really believe that people who know Jesus, Jesus should be the very best at what they do. Someone else might say, I... I want to create something beautiful for the glory of God. That, that's, that's how I serve God at work. Well, I think all of these answers are, are good answers, wonderful answers. And, but it depends on the nature of your work when you think about it. Uh, working on a green chain in a sawmill, it might be hard to create something beautiful. Uh, perhaps, though, if you're an architect or if you're an artist... That's what you're all about. You're always creating beautiful things for the glory of God. You see, work is God's idea, and He may have placed you exactly where He wants you to be. You're made for Mondays. A lot of people think or say that they're living for the weekends, but we're really made for Monday. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, and then verse 15 are going to be our text this week. And so the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their heavenly lights. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because on it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. And then down to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden, work it and take care of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great plan in our lives and that you have created work for us to serve you, to represent you, to find ways of uh, best uh, living out our lives so that we bring glory to your name and who you are. Help us, Lord, as we as we think of these, these texts and as we think of these principles, to apply them to our everyday lives. Because, Lord, you've made us for Monday. In your name we pray. Amen. First of all, we should note that in our text, it, when it says that God rested, it doesn't mean that he was tired or that he needed a nap. Uh, This is an anthropomorphism, and that's a $10 word that basically means it's a biblical way of describing God that uses human terms or a human kind of likeness. For example, we we read at times about the arm of God in the Bible, and uh, of course God doesn't have a human arm, or it It says in Scripture that God repented of doing something. It it doesn't mean quite the same uh, when it's talking about God or that God was angry. These are uh, human ways of trying to describe God who is indescribable. Uh, There's that passage in uh, uh, Psalm 91 verse 4 that says that uh, God uh, uh, gathers us uh, under his wings uh, maybe we could call that a chicken pomorphism because it's describing God in, in terms of a bird or a chicken, uh, like a, a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And so we know that when the Bible says that God rested, it doesn't mean that he, he stopped work. It really means that he rested from his creative, his creative activity for a time, but he still works. Even on the Sabbath, God is still working uh, he delighted in his work, in fact, scripture says, and, and he said uh, that it was good, and it was, in fact, very good at the end of the creation work week. Uh, in John chapter 5, verse 17, uh, the Jews are persecuting Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath, and this broke their rules about work on the Sabbath. And Jesus responds by saying, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too and working. In other words, although God rested from his creative creative activities, he didn't stop working in the world, but he continues to work in the world. He even works on the Sabbath, because there's never a day where God is not involved. We know that uh, Scripture teaches that God is creator, redeemer, and sustainer. He continues to create, uh, when children are born, it's a creation of God. Uh, uh, when we're involved at work and we're creating things, we, we are part of God's plan and creation in the world. And of course, he is at work sustaining the world, and he is at work redeeming the world all the time. Humankind has been tasked with God's responsibility f- to carry on his work in the world as his representatives. This is, this is the gist of the Genesis story and the text that we read a little bit earlier. Uh, if you look back at the creation story to chapter 1, you will see several descriptive words that God gives to humankind that he is to fulfill in his work in the world. Uh, the words are, are in verse 28 of chapter 1. We are to fill it, subdue it, and rule over it. And then at verse 15 of chapter 2, the passage of which I read, we are to work it and care for it. In, in, in fact, that word, that phrase, care for it, is the same word that's translated keeper. When Cain is asked about his brother whom he would murdered, he said, am I my brother's keeper? Uh, it, the same word. Uh, am I the one who is to care for? So we are to care for the earth as a keeper of the earth, and, and that's the phrase we are to be Earth keepers. So our jobs, what, no matter what your job may be, fit into one of these categories. If, if you're raising children, then you are filling the earth. If you're building homes, you're filling the earth. Perhaps you're building a dike or a dam to, to stop flooding. You're subduing the earth. If you're working in a medical uh, field uh, as a practitioner of some type, you're actually subduing disease. And so all of our occupations, all of the things that we do from Monday to Friday are really a fulfillment of God's call for us to work the earth, to fill it, subdue it, to care for it. So work then is God's good idea. It's not a result of the fall. It's not a result of the first. And I think think sometimes we think, that, that work is like that, and, and that, that people have this feeling that, that they're really serving God on Sundays, they're really serving God on the weekends, uh, but w- the work week is just, well, that's just something they have to do because uh, the world isn't right, the world isn't w- what it was supposed to be. Actually, God created us to work as His representatives in the world. Uh, we are participating in God's plan for the world when we are involved in our occupations. You're made Mondays. You're not just living for the weekends. Well, this contradicts, I think, three popular views that are uh, rampant in, in our culture. Uh, one of these popular views is held among people of faith, among Christians, and the other two are popular views in what we might call the secular modern culture. Now, the first mistaken view is that work is mainly about self-fulfillment. Um, in other words, I work so that my needs are fulfilled. Uh, that's why I go to work. That's why I get up Monday morning. My self-esteem uh, is is uh, improved because of work. Uh, it fills my tank. It fills my cup. That's why I work. It's it's about attaining a, a sense of satisfaction or a sense of joy. Uh, my need for toys. My need for. Uh, the finer things of life. That's why I go to work, to, uh, to serve that need to be fulfilled. My need for respect, my need for honor, my need for my colleagues to look up for me. That's why I go to work. Well, I think this creates great disappointment in the majority of people. Uh, while you can find some fulfillment at work, it is really hard to find a lot of fulfillment at work because most work becomes very mundane and routine and boring. And in fact, most of the jobs that people, people do, they'll not find a great deal of fulfillment, of self-satisfaction in the workplace. Well, maybe some, some do, but most people won't. And, and besides that, it's really hard to get enough self-fulfillment from work to really satisfy us, because we have really, really deep needs for self-fulfillment. Uh, your real self-fulfillment can only become through your relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the one that fills your cup. He is the one that makes you feel as if uh, you have what you need in order to feel satisfied at work and uh, any other quest, the quest to find work to satisfy us, to, will really end up being quite uh, hollow, quite empty. Uh, it, it's hard to imagine someone working in the sanitation department uh, of the city to find self-fulfillment from work, Although, though I must admit that um, actually I kind of find a lot of satisfaction when I go to the dump, when I'm working construction projects and, and I get to take a trip to the dump. I find it rather cathartic to get rid of stuff, to clean up stuff. And I, I, it's my happy place is going to the dump and, and getting rid of things. But uh, I, I don't think that uh, for a lot of people, they're going to find a lot of self-fulfillment in their work. We need to find it because of who we are in Jesus Christ. And unless we are finding it in Jesus Christ, we will always be longing, always searching for self-fulfillment. Well, I think the second mistaken view about work is that it determines our identity. This is a little different than finding self-fulfillment. This is about finding who we are at our work. It's, uh, it's often the second question we ask of, of new friends. Uh, what do you do for a living? Because uh, we sometimes, and perhaps even usually, identify people with what they do for a living. Now, by the way, this, I, this is a rather modern problem. In, in the ancient world, in the biblical world, and in, in fact, up until the last century or so, uh, people did not look to their jobs to find their identity. Older cultures identified uh, their heritage as how they found their identity. This is why genealogies were very important in Scripture because you are, were who your parents were, or your grandparents. And so people in introducing themselves to one another would often refer to their parents, uh, or perhaps to their clan, or perhaps to their part of the country where they were from. I noticed this most remarkably when I was a young uh, boy. Actually, uh, I was uh, visiting my uncle on his farm, working on the farm, in fact, and I went to town, just a very small town in southern Ontario, and I was walking downtown and a man came out of the shop and looked at me and pointed at me and said, are you Gordon's son or are you Arnold's son? because he immediately identified me with my clan, with my, with my family. And I thought that was so remarkable. Being a city kid, no one would ever ask you those kinds of questions. But people in small t- towns and farming communities, they identified you by your heritage, by your family background. Uh, uh, this, this view that we can find our identity at our work is, is actually so damaging for most people. Because most people do not identify themselves or do not want to identify themselves with what they do for a living. And, and when you think about it, uh, we're really human beings. We're not human doings. And we should find our identity in Jesus Christ, in who He has called us to be, in who is, He has made us to be, in that we have been, been created in His image rather than in our workplace. Well, the third mistaken view regarding work is peculiar to Christians. Uh, and maybe you've held this view. It's peculiar to people of faith. It's the view that work is our calling. And, and you people, people talk this way all the time. You know, what, what, are, what are you called to do? What's your occupation in terms of your calling? This is not the biblical view of work. We are called by Jesus not to our occupations, but we are called by Jesus to discipleship, to be his followers. In other words, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 9 it puts it this way, God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, and Lord is faithful. So the term calling, kaleo in the Greek, is a, is a strong word. In, in fact, it, it actually could be translated summonsed. We have been summonsed by God, not to an occupation, not to work, but rather to fellowship with Jesus Christ. To, in, in our text, fellowship is the word koinonia, which means fellowship, sharing, relationship, intimacy with Jesus Christ. So when the Bible talks about calling, it never refers to a particular occupation. It refers to discipleship. You have been called, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be in a relationship, in fellowship with Jesus Christ. And we live out that calling, uh, whatever occupation best suits our needs and giftings. You should not be seeking your calling as a believer. Sometimes you hear Christians talk that way. "I'm, I'm, I'm looking for what God has called me to do. No, you already know your calling. You're called to be a follower of Jesus. You're called to be a disciple of Jesus. You don't need to seek for that anymore. You rather need to seek out where you best fit in God's plan, where you best fit in the kingdom. But your calling has already been established. You have already uh, heard the call and responded to the call when you have become a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. We just need to find the best way to serve him. And sometimes followers of Jesus... Get this idea that the the will of God is their calling and and this creates kind of a schizophrenic kind of Christianity where they're always seeking this calling this this perfect will of God in some occupation and I, I would rather people just relax a little bit about that, recognizing your calling is to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, and to recognize that he will put you into the very best places that fit your nature, your, your gift mix, your personality, your life cycle, so that you can serve him uh, as his representative in whatever occupation uh, best fits who you are. <laughs> I remember the story, Andy Stanley, uh, one of the pastors of one of the largest churches in uh, North America, he tells a story about uh, growing up in his dad's church, and his dad would often have altar calls where they would, where would call people to front who were perhaps seeking a calling of God uh, into an occupation or into ministry. And, and Andy used to look at that and not quite understand that. And uh, uh, one day he talked to his dad and he said, uh, he, as a young adult, he said, he said Dad, um, I know you talk all the time about God's calling uh, into ministry or into some occupation, but you know I don't feel that. But do you think that God might take a volunteer? Because I feel like volunteering for youth ministry in this church. And that's, of course, God takes volunteers. And Andy began his, his career as a pastor, as a volunteer in ministry, as a, as a young adult pastor, as a youth pastor in his church. And of course, then he, he went on from there to plant a church and, and grow it to one of the largest churches as, as a volunteer. Uh, not as his calling. Our major calling is to follow Jesus. Our major calling is to be a disciple and to be in fellowship with Jesus Christ. So let's look at our work as a way to serve God as his representative, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, an indigenous chief, a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, like the nursery rhyme says. uh, Find your self-fulfillment in serving Jesus Find your identity as a child of God. See your work as an opportunity to be who you are, not to find who you are. See your work as not to fill your cup, but to allow your full cup to spill out onto others. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that work is a good thing that you have created us so that we can work as your representative on earth. And, and Lord, I pray that you would, you would help us to find really good things to do with our time and with our energy, but help us, learn not just to live for the weekend. Help us, Lord, to live every day as fulfilling who you want us to be, disciples, followers, in fellowship with Jesus. Lord, we, we pray that uh, we would find our identity in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for you are a good God, and you do great things in our lives, and we love you and we appreciate you. And I pray for all those people who are, who are struggling with employment right now and wondering about uh, what they should be doing. I, I pray, Lord, that you would guide them and lead them, and that you would help them find the right fit for their lives. Thank you, Lord, that we have been made for Mondays. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to take a few minutes and listen to some music, and I'm going to ask you a question. And uh, perhaps you could ponder this question during this next minute or so. Knowing what you know now about identity and self-fulfillment, what would you say to yourself 10 years ago? What would you say to your younger self that might help you? So take some time and think about that. J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, the writer of The Lord of the Rings, struggled to write uh, that book, uh, that series of, of uh, books actually. Uh, he he was the kind of guy who spent a huge amount of time looking at the details. And in fact, it took him a couple of decades to write it. And he had been encouraged by his friend, C.S. Lewis, to, to get on with it. But be, because he spent so much time on details, he developed a language for the characters in the book. And uh, he, he spent so much time worrying over the accuracies and the, exactly how he wanted to say it that, uh, you know, he he often just frustrated himself and felt he'd never, ever finish. And in the midst of all of this creative work, and in in the midst of his frustration, he was asked to write an article, and he, he wrote a short story, and he called it Leaf by Niggle. Now, niggle is an older English word, which means to waste your time, to become preoccupied with details. And Leaf by Neagle is a story about a great artist, and this artist was incredibly detailed in what he'd worked and what he did. And he loved to um, paint, draw leaves, and he decided to create a masterpiece of his life, a masterpiece for for enduring generations. And it was going to be a picture of a, a tree. And the tree was in a landscape, and there were mountains in the background. It was this huge canvas that he was going to create. And he started by creating just the leaf. But he was so detailed, and he spent so much time on that leaf, it seemed as all he could get done was to paint the leaf. And and he was preoccupied with his friend uh, by the name of Parrish, who uh, uh, kept him preoccupied with lots of other work, and, and he would lose focus, and he'd work on, on Parrish's work and come back and work a little bit on the leaf. And unfortunately, as time went on, uh, he became sick, and, and he died. Uh, And he was so disappointed as as he was dying because he said, "Uh, you know, my whole life I wanted to create this masterpiece, this enduring legacy that would would be this wonderful picture of God's creation. And and I didn't even finish the leaf. But when he got to heaven and he was uh, uh, introduced to the wonder and the beauty of heaven, he came across the painting that he had just begun. And not only there was the leaf, But there was the tree and there was the mountains and there was the forest. And there was the the whole grandeur was all there. And he said, it's a gift of God. That thing that I was working on in the real, real world of heaven, it had been completed. The little part that he was doing was not meaningless at all. It was part of a larger project that God was involved with. And there it was spread out before him. And so with you and I, no matter what we're doing, no matter what our occupation may be, no matter what we put our hand to or our minds to, it's it's just part of a whole. It's just part of something that God is doing and will complete. And someday, I think we will see the completion of that when we all get to share glory with Jesus. Our doxology for this series is this. Now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.